They're crazy, they're zany, and just plain nuts, but they love Jesus. America's Keswick and all of you. Here are the hosts of the Bob and Bill podcast, Robert Hayes and Bill Welty. Good morning, Bill. Actually, it's good afternoon. Oh, it is already. Do you know that there are people that are still confused why we're calling it the Bob and Bill podcast? Well, so am I. So just join the club. We don't have any clue. But we're glad that you tuned our way on this Wednesday afternoon. This is episode 14. And we're excited that we have a message today by Dr. Sam Sutter. Well, we call him Dr. Sam, but he really isn't a doctor. <laughs> He's the senior pastor at Goshen Reform Christian Church in Goshen, New York. He's a summer staff member for many, many years. Actually, he did what Tyler and Zach did in working in audiovisual, but now he's a senior pastor. He was with Tom Brown and Robert Rodriguez when they shared their series on the book of Colossians. I'm excited that Sam's going to share his teaching today. Let's give a look. So I hope you heard our challenge. Take the book of Colossians, open it up, uh, study it, let it impact you. Put, find airplane mode on your cell phone and just ask God to open the eyes of your heart and to change where he convicts with victorious power that comes from him. So that, that's, what, that's what we want to do. We've been the book of Colossians, and so far, let me review for a second. Here's what I've seen. The Apostle Paul wants you to know and grasp two really big ideas that will impact your life. 
And I, I do want to thank Tom and Rob for doing such an incredible job opening this up to us. But the first idea that you've heard again and again, that you should live in Jesus. Because living in Jesus will have a massive impact on who you are and on the people around you. Let me just give you some highlights, right? Here's the references. We read Colossians 1, verse 4 and 5, where the Apostle Paul writes, Because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all God's people, those are two big deals, right? The faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Or verse 15, uh, Rob talked about this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or authorities, all things, he says, were created through him and for him. Or like, I mean, there are so many like great verses in this book. Think about verse 21 of chapter 1. Once you were alienated from God. You were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now you have been reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present like you, like, like us, holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Like I, I just love these verses. Or chapter 2, right? This is verse 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Like, I just, man, I, I love this. You just can't miss in this seeing Jesus. Like, Colossians is all about Jesus and how he changes your life, what it means to live in Jesus. And like, even just in the verses I read, you heard phrases like, hope in heaven. And this idea of loving people and that Jesus made everything and he's, bigger than everything, and that in Christ's death on the cross, right? Jesus is reconciling us and making us holy so we become free from guilt and that what we should do is continue to build our lives up on Jesus, like rooted up, built up, stronger, and overflowing with thankfulness. I, man, I love Colossians. Colossians so far has said over and over again, weaving this provocative thread about Jesus that you should know and you should feel and you should act on this life-changing universal fact that Jesus is a big deal. So live in that, walk in that, be connected to Jesus, which is sort of the first thread, big idea that we've heard. The second thread that you've already heard from Tom and Rob is that there's there's a certain danger, and there's a warning that we should never settle for anything short of anything short of Jesus. The next thread in Colossians is something that I would call a fraud alert. There is a warning in Colossians 
that there are certain things that can threaten your joy and your hope. There are things that you encounter that will put you on the wrong path. In fact, there are people who go to church, who profess to be Christians, who settle for something far less, a cheap imitation, less than Jesus. And you've seen this again and again. There are people who may claim they follow Jesus, but they settle for something far less. And you'll, you'll find warnings like chapter 2, verse 4. I tell you this so that no one will deceive you by, we talked about this, fine-sounding arguments. Or verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental forces of this world rather than on Christ. Or verse 23 talks about uh, culture and behavior. Such regulations have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sexual indulgence. The Apostle Paul, in no uncertain terms, warned that people just like us, for thousands of years now, right, people like us who should be connected to Jesus, people who should be living in victory, we can settle for something far less. Things like, you saw the language, human tradition, religion, rule-keeping, adhering, um, reliving. Like, here's the thing about people. We naturally gravitate to trying to, to revisit mountaintops instead of connecting with Jesus. And the second thread in Colossians is that to settle for anything in life less than Jesus is to be defrauded. Don't settle. But look, when I read Colossians, I'm always a little bit frustrated around here in Colossians. Because I think readers like me in Colossians, uh, like, here's where I'm at. I get it, Paul. Do, like, be over here, connect with, have a relationship with Jesus, and here's all the things that don't help you do that. Right? And I'm here like, that's great. Uh, but what actually helps me? Like, I hear all these things that I'm not supposed to do to get over there, but I'm like, could you just tell me what I should do? Like, when you want to do something and all you hear is what you're not supposed to do, it doesn't help. Like, if I want to learn how to do construction, I am not going to listen to Tom, <laughs> right? Because um, he's going to tell me what not to do. When I became a senior pastor, uh, I was told I should learn how to play golf because I wanted to spend some time with the older guys in church and talk to them, get to know them. I'm not that perceptive. One of the older guys came up to me and said, here's some golf clubs. We'll pick you up on Tuesday. And uh, golfing is great, right? I, I like goofing off in sports. I played a lot of street hockey back in the day. And uh, Rob told me about this movie, Happy Gilmore. So... Uh, <laughs> I really wanted to play golf, but here's what I learned. I learned everything that you're not supposed to do. People told me, don't do a slap shot. Don't wear jeans. Don't hit it so hard. Don't hit it so soft. Don't use one hand. Don't close your eyes. 
Don't hit the sand. Don't hit the pond. Don't hit the, another player. Don't hit the heat. Don't, like, like, I got really good so far to this day. I can tell you what you're not supposed to do. My only problem is I have no idea what I am supposed to do. Right? I, I don't know how to hit the ball straight or far or like in the general direction of the flag thing or the whole thing. And, and you know what that makes me? A bad golfer. <laughs> because knowing what not to do isn't the same thing as knowing what to do. Like being a critic is really easy. It's hard to make a difference. Like I'm also a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan, right? I went to, okay, here we go. I, uh, I went to school in Philly, lived in Oxford Circle, and this fall, hopefully, millions of us will watch athletes on the field in the best shape of their lives play football. And if you're like me, uh, millions of us who are a little older and a little less in shape, you know what we're going to do? We're going to tell the athletes on the screen what they should be doing and that they're doing it wrong. And I'm definitely going to say things. I'm yelled at TV. I'll say things like, Carson, do not run the ball. You're going to get hurt. Don't pass it to him. Deshaun Jackson is way over there. It's going to be awesome, right? And all over America, there are people watching sports telling athletes what they should do. And the irony is those of us sitting on the couch eating chips and then other people are actually in the game. And it's easy to criticize. It's really hard to play. It's easy to know what not to do. It's hard to execute well. But what, what the Apostle Paul is about to do He's about to finally tell us the secret of how to get here. He is almost done talking about what not to do. This is it, right? This is like, this is the part of Colossians that I just get excited about. This is what we're all waiting for and longing for. And if you're reading Colossians so far and you go, okay, Paul, I get it. I should be over here living Jesus. Don't settle for anything short of the joy and the hope and power that comes from being connected and rooted in Jesus, but you're like, but how do I get here? Like, if you're like me reading Colossians uh, 1 and 2, you're like, can you just tell me how to play? Can you tell me how to get in the game and win instead of just telling me what doesn't work? If you're reading Colossians for the first time, I imagine that his first audience is leaning in a bit with suspense. What's the secret? Paul's about to tell you the how. How do you connect with divinity? How do you start to live a life that reflects the security and rootedness? How, how do I begin to start feeling the fullness in Jesus? Wouldn't you like to know the secret? Here it is. This is Colossians chapter 3. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Let me just unpack this really quick. This is actually one of the verses that I memorized when I was on summer staff here. Let me begin with the first word. Eric, do we have the slide for this? That'd be so fun. The first word in Greek is it's a word if. Right? If you're reading it in Greek, it says, 
if you've been raised with Christ, which is a little provocative. It's like Paul is saying, if all this stuff is true, what should change? You know, sometimes I'll read scripture, and, you know, if I could add another word here, I'd say, if this is true, what should change? Which sometimes, I'll be honest, it's a little bit hard to think through, because sometimes people are like, what do you mean, if it's true? Like, are you implying that there's not a God or Scripture's not true? No, no, no. Uh, what happens when you start with if is that you end up thinking through implications. Like, if you lead with if, you have to really think through, am I really following through? Starting with if makes you have to answer, are my actions consistent with what I say I believe or not? And of course, saying if is a little confusing, so some translations, like the NIV, translates it as since to make it a little less ambiguous or scary, I suppose. The Apostle Paul said, look, if all this stuff is true, if you have been raised with Christ, and you have been, because you've already heard Paul say this a bunch of times, it, it is true with you as a Christian. You have died with Christ, you have been made alive with Christ. And Paul says, if all that's true, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, a grammar nerd, uh, you have been raised with Christ, it's uh, passive, it's not like you didn't raise yourself with Christ, right? Uh, it's, something, it's saying something about what Jesus did, Jesus made you alive. If that's true, and it is, you should do something. What should you do? You could probably fill in the blanks with a lot of stuff, right? But here's what the Apostle Paul says. Here's what you do. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then he kind of says something, well, he says the same thing again. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And I have to talk about this. The things that are above includes heaven, of course. It also has to do with God's sovereign reign over the entire universe, that God fills it with his power. Things that are above include thinking about God's character, his presence, thinking about his joy. We sang the song 10,000 Reasons. It has something to do with that probably. Um, this has something to do, a lot of connections with Psalm 110 verse 1, where the psalmist says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make the earth a footstool for your feet. It's a whole right hand thing. Which, by the way, if you, if you chase down Psalm 110, it, it's everywhere in the Old Testament. For example, Acts 2 makes the argument that the resurrection of Christ fulfills Psalm 110. Or 1 Peter 3, which is worth jotting down and chasing around, says the same thing. That when... Uh, when we acknowledge Jesus as a resurrected Lord, it actually helps us when we suffer. It's worth reading the end of 1 Peter 3, if you're taking notes. Some amazing connection between sitting at the right hand of God and your life.
Well, thank you, Elizabeth. We really appreciate your giftedness on the violin. And uh, that's a song I didn't know a whole lot about, Bill, so I, I was uh, just looking it up, and I found some interesting thoughts about it that I thought I would share with you. So jump in if you have anything you want to interject. But the hymn text was written by Vernon Charlesworth based on Psalm 32.7, which says, You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. But the music was written by Ira Sankey. He found the text in a small paper published in London called The Postman, and it was said to be a favorite song of fishermen on the north coast of England, and they were often heard singing it as they approached harbors in the time of a storm. Uh, the hymn was set to a weird uh, hymn tune, and it was in a very minor key. So he composed one that would be much more practical for us uh, to sing uh, today. But um, interesting, when I flipped on the news this morning, which I don't always do, but listening to the news this morning, over 55% uh, increase in alcohol sales bill hmm. by the end of March. And I'm sure that April is um, going to be the same, if not more. And uh, it's just very discouraging that people are turning to alcohol and substance abuse to cope with the COVID-19 virus. Um, and what I was just struck that what people need is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the only one that we can put our trust and our confidence in. Jesus truly is a rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in the time of storm. He is our hope. And uh, so if you know somebody who's struggling, uh, just encourage them and share Jesus Christ with them. He is their hope of overcoming the sin of addiction. And what's really sad is that once this is all over, uh, we're not going to be able to handle all the applications. We have 40 guys right now who have applications in to get into the program. The Colony of Mercy is still functioning, and we ask that you continue to pray for that ministry, the ministry of Barber's Place. Uh, unfortunately, we can't take any new intakes because we don't want to expose the men and women to the virus. But I tell you, I can't wait till we can open the doors and there's going to be a floodgate of, of men and women that need this place. Mm -hmm. So thank you for praying for the Ministry of Addiction Recovery. Thank you for praying for the Barber's Place staff, the Colony Mercy staff. I want to encourage you to join us tomorrow at 1.30 for Facebook Worship Live with Robert and Joyce. We look forward to being with you every day, Monday through Friday. If you have somebody in your life that needs help, you can get them to call 1-800-453-7942. Our staff is available between 8 and 4 to pray with and for that loved one or to pray for you. Mm -hmm. God bless you and thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, let us know. Write us at bewealthy.americaskeswick.org or it'll be in the description below. If you'd like to learn more information about America's Keswick, you can visit our website at www.americaskeswick.org. Join us every Wednesday and Friday at 2.30 for the next edition of the podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Tyler. And have a good and godly day.